Welcome to the newest edition of the Screenfellows Podcast. My name is Carlos. And my name is Ozzy. In this episode, we will be reviewing Thoroughbreds and Jessica Jones Season 2. Enjoy the show. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Doing, I'm doing really good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Um, I think we just heard an echo there, and I very much apologize, but I'm not starting this episode over. <laughs> so, uh, if you did hear an echo, um, I'm sorry, because that means that I was too lazy to take it out in post-production. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> just be honest. All right. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about... Um, Kind of, it, this is an indie movie, right? This call for is an indie movie? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty indie. I mean, I couldn't find it in Virginia, so that's basically, like, <laughs> what counts, right? Um, and we got Jessica Jones, of course. And to help us talk about this uh, movie, not the show, but the movie, we have Brianna joining us again. Brianna, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Carlos? I am exhausted. So I apologize if I am out of it today. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is, and we're recording very late at night because life, right? <laughs> 100% agree. Um, you know, yeah. I got work at 8 a.m. It's now 10.34, so, I mean, what are we going to do? <laughs> Sacrifices. Right. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, screen falls before life. <laughs> Basically. Um, all right. Anyway, we're going to start with the movie, and then we will move, make our way to Jessica Jones. But, Brianna, I know you were very excited about this movie. Uh, when you went, you got, you see this, you saw this, like, what, 10 days ago? You saw it. <laughs> so, basically, you saw it a week before us, basically. So, uh, you were very excited about this movie. You were disappointed when you came on the podcast when we weren't talking about it. Uh, but... It, it finally came. We're going to talk about this movie. So we're going to start with you, Brianna. What were your overall thoughts on Thoroughbreds? Um, unlike the other movie that came out that weekend, <laughs> this, um, I adored this movie. Um, I know that it's not for everyone. I know that, you know, it's not the kind of movie that I could go to my family, my, my MCU loving family and go, yes, you should see this movie. Um, but I, I just I love everything from the performances to the style, like the style especially was gorgeous. And, um, you know, I just thought it, it was so it felt so different from the normal fare that we get that I was captivated. Yeah. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> nice. Uh, Ozzy, what about you? Oh, I mean, I thought it was really good. Uh, really interesting concept. Um, I thought Corey Finley's direction and, you know, just overall direction was really amazing. Um, and I thought the, I thought, I mean, I thought everybody performed really well. What about you? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of those days, people. Uh, <laughs> there are, I'll say this, there are elements and moments in this movie that I adored and that I am like, 
wow, this is my kind of movie. And, like, there were literally moments where I'm sitting in the theater, I'm like, this is the kind of movie that I just love to watch. And then there's moments that I don't love so much. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I kind of came away thinking that this was a little bit of a mixed bag, but from for the most part, I would say I did enjoy it. And I think definitely the positives outweigh the negatives. But let's start with those positives. And uh, you guys, I think, both mentioned the performances, so I guess we should start there. Uh, the two leads in this movie are Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook, who... If you don't know who they are, they are definitely two of my favorite um, indie actresses working right now. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy of The Witch, of Split. Um, she was in, what was that one random kind of horror movie from a couple of years ago? Morgan. Morgan she yeah. was in that. Um, and then Olivia Cook, who I feel like I've seen her in something else, but the main thing that I think of her from is one of my favorite movies and one of the best movies of 2015, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, in which she had the... Uh, one of the titular characters, or which she played one of the titular characters. Um, I think that they are great in this movie, and they have great chemistry together, and they play off each other really well. My favorite parts of this movie and my favorite scenes of this movie are when the two, these two characters are riffing off each other and going back and forth, and when you kind of... I just love how you see the dynamic shift between these two characters. I think their relationship is pretty well written. And then obviously the performances are really well done. So that complements the writing. Um, but those that's my first positives. I definitely have more. But uh, Brianna, what other positives do you have? Um, absolutely the performances. Uh, that They bolster the final product immensely. I thought that um, Anya Taylor-Joy is... She is like... She's always the main attraction of whatever she's in. She was obviously, you know, a standout in The Witch, and she was, you know, the mainstay of Split. But I think that in this movie, she's even overshadowed by Olivia Cook, just because it's so good. Like her emotionless demeanor, like you would think that's easy because you're just. <laughs> You know, but it's it's so not easy to do what she's doing in this movie. And I think that just it's absolutely, absolutely incredible. I can't wait to see her in Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, you know, I had never seen her in anything before this film and I was just astonished. Um, and I love the way that this film is shot. Um, it They made it clear from the beginning that there were going to be long long shots, long takes, long tracking shots and mm -hmm. um, uninterrupted takes. And, you know, it's not without its purpose. You know, it's often that's like, oh, look how long we can, you know, <laughs> how look how long we can go without a cut. But in this in this film, it's a lot more like it serves a purpose. And I mean, I think that is very that that is most clear at the very end of the film and i don't know how much you know uh, obviously we're not into spoiler talk yeah. yet but that that, that final scene uh, is i mean i got like chills like my toes were curling up and i was like this is just one of the best things that i've seen on the screen in this, this last scene and it's so subtle i think that's another thing i love about it is it's just so subtle like at the very beginning you know when they open with her um, and the horse, you know, any other like standard movie would just show her 
doing what she's doing. And at, instead, you're you're left to wonder, what is she doing? And you don't really understand that until later in the film. And it you, you're like piecing a puzzle together. And it's, you know, he has faith in his audience. And that is, it's so wonderful when you feel like you can have an intelligent interaction with a director who just doesn't like spoon feed you pieces of information i just i think it's just a wonderful experience for those who like to engage with a movie if that makes sense yeah uh ozzy what about you well, for those of you guys who don't know what this movie is about, because yeah, it is a small we, we movie, said that. Uh, <laughs> it's point. a smaller movie. Um, basically, about these two girls that become friends, and um, uh, Anya Taylor Joy's uh, stepfather, um, you know, basically is treating her bad, and they basically devise a plan to take him out. Um, and it's a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you guys who want more details, I suggest watching the trailer. It's on YouTube. To go check it out, but it stars Olivia Cook, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Antoine Yelchin, the late and, Anton Yelchin, yeah, uh, and just a bunch of other people. There's a few other people, not a bunch. <laughs> um, and it takes place in Connecticut. So I mean, these are two upper class uh, young girls um, just trying to devise a plan to take out uh, one of their stepdads, basically. Um, I, I like this movie because of its subtle humor. There are scenes in there where they're just where you can just where you enjoy it just because it's it's awkward and it's funny and you have the girls being smart with with the parents and I found it really funny. Um, the performances are amazing. Anya Taylor Joy hasn't played a character like this before, not that I've seen. So it was really nice to see her step away from the horror element and kind of get into a dark comedy. Um, interesting to see her play kind of the popular girl in school which I like to see her in. I was like, wow, that's an interesting take. So I liked her performance as well. Um, Olivia Cook did an amazing job. Uh, there's a crying scene in there, and that is her best. That is uh, probably the, the best scene um, that's <laughs> oh, there. Um, I love that scene so much. Uh, the late mm-hmm. Anton Yelchin, he did an amazing job. Um, probably gave my favorite performance out of them all. Really? I, I loved his performance. I really did love his performance. Um he did an amazing job with, with, with what he was given and, and for the screen time that he was given. I think he did an amazing job. I mean, I've never seen him play a character like this before, and I think he did an amazing job. Um, the script was really well done. I really like the script. Again, I like the direction this film takes. I agree with Brianna when it comes to uh, the cinematography in this one film, how there were long shots. Um, and I liked how... You know, there was, you know, it was a really uniquely shot film, um, really well lit. And yeah, I think that's it for me. Yeah. Uh, I definitely appreciated the. This, this movie has style for days. Yeah, <laughs> um, it does. It it's does. got style for days. Um, and I, I completely agree with you, Brianna, that everything kind of felt like it had a purpose. Like it didn't feel like they were just kind of. It didn't have that style just to have the style. Um, it had. They had reasons for doing it the way that they do it, did it. They had reasons for shooting things the way they, they shot them. Um, sometimes it doesn't work, but a lot of times it does work. And that last scene, I completely agree <laughs> is great. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I agree with you as well, Ozzy, that the humor is pretty, it pretty, it works pretty well. I, I will say that it works pretty well. Um, there, there are definitely moments that, 
I was really laughing. I felt like I was laughing more than anybody else in the theater, um, which kind of made me feel weird. But I, that kind of happens at dark comedies because people don't know when to laugh, and that's understandable. Um, but yeah, I, Brianna, I, since you are the biggest fan of this movie on this episode, uh, de- like you're definitely the biggest fan of this movie um, on this episode. What other positives do you have? Um, yeah, I have to give it up for Don Yelchin also. I mean, I, I, I had yet to hear him with, you know, an American accent. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, uh, it was just, I think the thing that most stood out to me was the movie's style, how, you know, um, a lot of the shots were correlated to the mute, like the music mm-hmm. and, um, the music did a lot to set the atmosphere, um, especially around the like chapter titles. Um, and I love how it had this motif of long shots um, to kind of set it up, to kind of set up the climactic long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just have to say that I, I think the two things that most stood out to me were the performances and and the style of the film, the cinematography and the, the music, like those kind of elements, the stylistic elements were, were beautiful. And I mean, I just thought it was, you know, an incredible, like a, a visual and sensory masterpiece, even though it didn't like shove a whole lot of special effects in your face or, you know, it was just, you know, Hey, we can make beautiful movies that don't, you know, that don't have those effects in them. And, you know, I would love to watch this movie again and analyze it. Like, really, like, get into the meat of what it's really about. Because, I mean, I can go into my negatives um, later, but I would would love to watch it again and just, like, get get into what it's really about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh... I also want to add when it comes to the everyone in this movie in particular, of course, are two leads. I think they're perfectly cast. I, I, it's obviously great performances from them, but shout out to whoever the casting director was. I'm sure we can pull that up at some point, but um, because I, I think that with these two characters, like you're one who they, they, they go, they say it a little bit more in the trailer, which is interesting where they have one who is like, she doesn't have any emotions and that's Olivia Cook's character. And then you have Anya Taylor joy who basically feels everything is what she says in the trailer. I don't think that line's actually in the movie, but that's perfect because I really think that it's basically taking what these two actresses do best and giving them an opportunity to just, take it and run with it. Now I just absolutely loved um, the way that they uh, cast this movie in particular with the leads. Uh, we can talk about some of the side characters. Um, I will a little bit of my negatives, but I think the, the leads are definitely a strong point. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to negatives for this movie. Then uh, Ozzy, let's start with you. What are some of your negatives for thoroughbreds? Thoroughbreds. Um, I don't like the ending for this movie. Um, it feels like it's kind of yeah. I don't like like the, the very very ending. The very very okay. Ending. Yeah. Um, I just I, like I, I I don't know. I just felt like there's something. I just felt like something else would have been uh, the ending. Honestly, 
Um, I don't know. I can't like I just I wasn't pleased with this movie. I guess I guess I just you weren't wanted, satisfied by the end. Yeah, I guess okay. I just wanted more. I guess which mm-hmm. isn't I, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. Um, but I just I didn't like the ending. Um, I wish I would have developed more of the relationship between Olivia Cook and, and, and Anya Taylor Joy. Um, I feel like we just got like we got a little bit mm-hmm. of it, and I feel like there should have been more if you were going to ultimately decide to do something so life changing like taking away another person's life. Um, so I feel like that. Sh- I, th- I feel like we should have seen more of them on screen together. Um, I definitely would have liked to see see more of Anton Yelchin's character more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I agree to an extent. I think that um, the the decision that they come to, uh, which is obviously the plot of the movie, so we're not spoiling anything, the decision to take uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's uh, character's stepfather's life for them to kill him... I, it come to me. It worked because it made sense. Like these two, these two characters are so extreme in their emotional capacity that it's just like I could buy that this is the conclusion that they come to. This is the solution that they come to. My problem with that aspect of the movie is, and this kind of goes into an overall discussion that we can have with this movie. I, I don't fully understand why Anya Taylor Joy hated him so much. I mean, every little thing that she pointed out was just that. It was a little thing. I didn't get... I, I wasn't at the point where I'm like, yeah, I completely understand why she would want to kill him. There are moments where I'm like, okay, that's kind of... He's kind of a crappy person, but I, I just never got to that point with her like, while I'm watching the movie. The point, I think that's the point, though. Yeah. He said... He, he has a... Like, he's not... Um, Another wonderful thing about this movie is that these, like, some of these characters are nuanced. Even the the antagonist, so to speak, mm-hmm. the stepfather, he he's truthful when he says, like, empathy's not your strong suit. So I feel like it kind of makes sense that Lily's character came to the conclusion of murder. Like, we hear that she has some behavioral issues. We hear that even though she's she looks really well composed she has a tendency to be out of line on occasion. So it mm. sounds like she, you know, she at her core can be very selfish. And so if there's something that doesn't line up with her plan, she just kind of wants to eliminate it. So, I, I mean, I totally see where you're coming from. Like they only say a couple times yeah. here and there. They show you a couple times here and there. He's, he's very cold and, mm. you know, he speaks, really rudely to her mother once but like you don't ever see him do anything terrible so exactly and i, I guess yeah and, and my point really is that it's like i completely get it. like i get where this what this movie is trying to do and a lot of this comes from the fact that with this movie they do a lot of a lot of things just kind of happen in this movie and they don't really bother to slow down and kind of walk you through what's going on and why things are going on and that's fine to an extent, but I feel like it does it one too many times. And one of the bigger times is just like with this dad where I'm just like, I don't get it. And a lot of that, again, could come from the fact that I just need to see this movie again. And I just need to kind of analyze this movie a little deeper. But at the same time, I'm just trying to think from like a general movie going audience perspective. A lot of people are just going to go, I don't. Like, uh, because people want to have empathy for the lead characters. People want to, 
be able to see from their perspective, from the lead's perspective, from the, our main character's perspective. And you can't really do that with this movie to an extent, you know? Uh, so I guess that's my main point. And just the overall nature of this movie where they just made an artistic choice not to try to slow things down and explain things to you. And that's completely fine, but it's going to lose some people along the way. But, I mean, that's not the movie's fault. I know. I know. I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, which is why I said I wouldn't go to my family. Like I was. <laughs> this this movie is definitely not for everybody. I was going to see this movie again. Mm-hmm. And when I was leaving, my family asked me, oh, what are you going to see? Uh, and I was like, it's, you know, it's Thoroughbreds. And they were like, oh, what's, what's it about? And they usually asked me that with anticipation, like, you know, tell me what I can get from this movie. And I was like, you guys wouldn't like it. You don't need to know anything about it. I promise you're not going to like it. And, and so like, I know it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's kind of like with mother, like, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's, you can't, it, it it's definitely got an appeal because it's doing something different. And it's a lot, it has a lot to do with audience expectations. Yeah. Like, not everyone goes into a movie wanting to have a con. Like I, I want to watch that movie again and I want to analyze it and I want to, I want to dissect it. And not everyone watches movies for that purpose. A lot of people, like I said, they go into like an MCU movie and they just want to be entertained for two hours, which is totally fine. That's totally acceptable. And cause I mean, I'm the biggest, I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm the biggest fan of the MCU, but mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just saying that's, it's just about, it's a lot of expectation is yeah. going to determine how you respond to this movie. Okay. So then I have a question for you. Like, where do we draw the line then between a movie, like supposedly a movie like this, where they're just not giving you the answers and not giving it to you in a straightforward manner, just because they want you to figure it out or think about it. And a movie where they kind of just don't give you any answers because who cares about coming up with answers? It's like, you know, like, where do you draw the line between a movie who's doing that because they want you to think about it and a movie who's doing that because it's lazy? Well, if they want you to think about it, they'll give you enough information, I would imagine. They'd give you enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know. I'm just, I guess, uh, oh, sorry, you can go. I was just going to say, I feel like this movie does give you enough information if you watch it and you care Mm -hmm. enough to learn to figure out what the movie's trying to tell you, that you you do get enough information to to dissect it and to figure out what it's trying to say and to figure out the literal narrative of what's taking place. Yeah. But, you know, I, I mean, movies like Mulholland Drive, they don't have a meaning. They don't, you know, and they don't have like a, a, a narrative that you can follow step by step. And mm-hmm. so they don't, they just don't, you know, some, some movies that's a, that's built into their, framework is we don't give you answers because this movie doesn't mean anything and i you know but i feel like if you look hard enough and and they they, you will see the information that they've provided for you Mm -hmm. to gather a particular interpretation some movies they basically just say interpret it on your own but some movies have distinct interpretations and if you look hard enough you'll find them because a talented director you know i don't think I don't think a uh, a director would make a movie this carefully. I mean, he obviously cares a lot about his craft and I don't think he would make a movie this intentionally, you know, 
you know, cinematography, cinematograph, cinema in the cinematography <laughs> department. Yeah. In that department, I don't think he would be this intentional about his filmmaking, and then just not care at all how he's coming across, you know, as far yeah. as the rest is concerned. So I feel like if you look hard enough, you'll find it an interpretation and you'll find the answers that you're looking for. It's just a matter of caring enough, yeah. being enticed by what you do find the first time to look for them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I agree with you. I, I just, for me with this movie in particular, my thoughts are, my thought is just, I guess there were, to me, it felt like there were just chunks of this movie missing. Like, there's a lot of connective tissue that I feel like is just not there. Yeah, like, I, I still don't understand what the movie was trying to say. <laughs> like, I really don't. Like, um, for me, it was just a story about this girl that wanted to kill, like, a, like you know, her stepdad. Um, I still don't understand what she was trying to say or what he was trying to say in the message. Like, I mean, I'm glad you guys got it. No, I, I, I didn't. It. And that, um, But I think what, we, what we've been saying is that that's okay. But for me, I just felt like there was a little bit too much connective tissue missing, whereas Brianna didn't. So that's what I'm getting out of this conversation, at least. Yeah, I feel like I agree with you. It should have been more. I mean, this movie was an hour and a half. I wouldn't mind if it was two hours. It, that's that's um, my point. Give me a little bit. Flesh things out a little bit more, and then we're flying. Exactly. Right? Um, I don't know. But... Uh, and uh, another particular example of what I'm talking about where I feel like there's kind of chunks of this movie missing is with Anton Yelchin's character, to be honest. I agree with you guys. His performance is very good. Um, I, I think he's really, really good in this movie. I just feel like with his character, it's like, it, why? It, like, what's his purpose in this movie? <laughs> I, 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 exactly. Like, I, I, you it kind of just you know, it builds purpose... up to something. And then it kind of just fizzles away, and then there's yeah, the a outcome, little bit more later, but not really. The outcome it's... would have been the same if his character wasn't there. And I listen, I love his character, but I mean, I think that they should have fleshed out his character more. I feel like that they should have developed the relationship more, and I feel like um, we should have seen more of him. Um, I just, I mean, again, I mean, this movie was for, and I'll say this again, this movie was for an hour and a half. You know, I like this movie a lot, but I would have enjoyed more of it, and I feel like I would have enjoyed the story more. If I would have gotten, like you were saying, Carlos, the more connective tissue. Um, but unfortunately, we didn't get it. You know, I do think that his character serves a purpose, regardless of how he affects the outcome of the film, which mm -hmm. he doesn't. But <laughs> I feel like I feel like he was there. I mean, my I said in my review that my least favorite scene was the scene I mean, I just said poor Anton Yelchin, but that's because I'm always pretty cryptic and when when I'm giving away the favorite scene because I don't want to ruin them for anybody yeah. who's reading the reviews and hasn't seen the film. So, um, but what I was getting at is that scene after they basically hit him over the head and say, listen, you're going to do this or we're going to screw you up. You know, we're going to, we're going to mess you up. And he's just... He's there and he looks like a little, he looks so helpless. He looks like, you know, my, my dad's going to notice. Well, how is he going to notice? I live with him. Like, you have these two characters. You have um, these two girls who live in, uh, you know, the um, wealthy Connecticut. And even though Lily's family is way more wealthy, you get the impression. Mm -hmm. um, Amanda's still pretty well off. And... You kind of see that, um, 
you know, Amanda's incapable of empathy because she's incapable of any kind of human emotion. And you see that Lily's incapable of empathy because she's been so jaded by these, by this rich lifestyle. And you kind of, you have to have some kind of comparison and you have then Anton Yelchin, you have, it kind of drives home further the point that they're completely lacking empathy Mm -hmm. at all because you have this one character who is continuing like he's trying to make himself better he's obviously lacking some self-awareness because he's not going about it the right way but he's like 30 and he lives with his dad and there you know he he obviously wants something better for himself and even though he's a little stuck up himself like you would be you'd have to have a heart of stone not to feel sorry for him in that moment and like Lily is hesitant in that moment, like she, but she's obviously not hesitant enough not to go through with it. So I just think he's there for like comparison. Anyway, yeah, that's way more than I think you guys were asking for. But <laughs> I, I just I think that he does serve a purpose. I, yeah. I think that he's in there for a reason. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. It's I don't know. I, I I think I'm thinking about this more from a story perspective, where it's just I was. From a story perspective, I was like frustrated with this movie sometimes, and I think if you're if I look at it from the angle that you're def- you are definitely looking at it more for in like its thematic elements and what this movie is going for artistically, then I I agree with you. It's just when I sit back and go, all right, well, how about the story? This movie just frustrates me. I'm like, why can't we get just like ten more minutes of this movie? Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, like that, that's my, that's I guess where I'm think, coming from. Yeah, but I agree. Um, do I you guys agree. have anything else you want to say with this movie before we rate it? Ozzy. Nope. Brianna. I mean, I have to agree with you that I didn't like the ending either. As much as I've been <laughs> championing yeah. this movie, I didn't. I wasn't crazy about it either. Um, it just but, felt underwhelming. Yeah, it felt like it, I was, you know, I wasn't crazy about Baby Driver's ending either, and they kind of reminded me of each other. Like, oh, that's interesting. You've brought me so far, <laughs> only to, you know, only to leave me here. But anyway, um, overall, loved it. One of my favorites of the year so far. I know that that's not a commonly held opinion, but I, <laughs> I loved it. So. All right. Um... All right, well then let's rate it. Uh, Ozzy, let's start with you. What do you got? Dang, I was actually going to start with Brianna. Oh, that's fine. Know. Okay, let's yeah. go Brianna. Brianna first then. No, don't start with me. <laughs> Why not? I mean, no, because you love Why does nobody want to start with this movie? Right, Carlos, you know, Carlos, that's a rest because my rating is going to, gonna. your ratings are going to be underwhelming after you hear mine. Please. All right, All right, Carlos, All right fine, fine. I'll start. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. I'm just saying, I know that I rated it higher than you okay, guys did. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm giving this movie... <laughs> oh, man. I'm giving this movie a 7.2 out of 10. It's a, it's a good movie, and I can easily see it moving up the more I see it. It definitely could end up being one of those movies where the more I see it, and the more I think about and dwell on this movie, the higher my opinion of it becomes. But, for now, I'm sitting at a 7.2. But, again, that could change the more I see it. Ozzy, your turn. <laughs> Giving it a 7.7. 7. Okay, alright. Interesting. So you're a little higher than me. Brianna? Finish it yeah. up. 
I was correct. Yeah, I gave it an 8.8. .8. Okay, all right. That's not too, too bad. I, mean, it's, too it's like, I thought she was going to give it a 9. Like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, she's going to give it a 9. Oh, um, like, it just doesn't read. I don't know. It, you, a movie has to be near perfect to get a 9. Anyway, I didn't mean to sound conceited when I said that your ratings were going to be underwhelming. No, I just meant... I know I rated it higher than you guys is like near, near perfect. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah we're a little, Ozzy and I tend to be a little bit more liberal with our nines. Ozzy is way more liberal than I am, especially last hey, year. Hey, um, what do you want me to do? They were great movies. They were amazing movies. But then you still had the opinion that last year wasn't as good as 2016. I mean, it wasn't. What do you want me to do? It wasn't. You were very confusing last year. Anyway. What do you want me to do? I guess, I guess I didn't connect with those films more. I mean, I guess, yeah, sure. I mean, sure. These were better films. Like... You know, when it comes to the editing, the cinematography, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, it was a better <laughs> film. But if you're gonna ask me personally, yeah. I enjoyed the movies last year more than this year. Does that make sense? Okay, I get what you're saying. I feel like that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry for that um, random rabbit trail that we just went down. Uh, but anyway, Brianna. Thank you for joining us for this portion of the episode, um, and thank you for talking about this movie and because um, I know you are super excited to talk about this movie. So I feel like she's super excited <laughs> leaving it now because you know our ratings. <laughs> she's super excited to be done talking to us. No, so she's sad to be done okay. because of our ratings. Okay, <laughs> it was a pleasure as usual. Yeah. All right, um, so we'll try to get you on. I don't even know when the next episode is going to be, to be honest, but we will try to get you on for the next one as well. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time, Brianna. All right, now we are going to talk about Jessica Jones Season 2, and it's just me and Ozzy now. Ozzy, are you ready to talk about Jessica Jones? Woo, we're going to get the show over with. Yeah, uh, we are at about 30 minutes right now, um, and... It's very late, as we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, so this might be a little bit of a shorter recap, but we're going to get into it anyway. Um, for, before we get, we are going to dive into this with spoilers, but before we do that, we'll start with like our brief, spoiler-free thoughts. Ozzy, what did you think, spoiler-free, of Jessica Jones Season man, 2? Man, I am disappointed in Season 2 of Jessica Jones, man. Yeah. It, it's not, it does not hold up to Season 1. Which is really sad. Um, I don't know where the show went wrong. I think they had interesting concepts in here, but they executed them terribly because this 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 season feels so convoluted. There is so much going on. Um, if you guys are all caught up with the show, we'll talk about it more in detail. But there are so many storylines going on in here, and it takes away from the main story. Um, just so disappointed in this season, honestly. And Carlos and I, I mean, I remember. I mean, I know me personally. I've been waiting for the show to come back yeah. on. I mean, the show started in 2015. We're now in 2018. It's three years later. Um, so I've been waiting for a while to get to get some more Jessica Jones. And I'm just disappointed that it took three years for this to come out. It's just disappointing. And I don't know um, where where in the screen, in the, in the, in, in the writing room, where, where this is going wrong. Um, I'm not going to dock any of the performances. I think the performances are really great, even for the characters that I hate. I think the performances are really well done. Um, but overall, I do not like where they're taking some of these characters. I don't like the script for a lot of this season. Um, but yeah. Uh, let me start off by saying, 
We at Screenfellows are huge fans of Jessica Jones season one. Uh, I think a lot, I think that show was very, very misunderstood. And that's why it wasn't as well received as some of the other ones, although it was decently well received. Um, but this season is a mess. It's just, it's just a mess. It feels long, but it's also not long enough for the content, which is a problem. How it, it feels too long, but it's also not long enough. That's a problem. And it just feels like they had to wait so long for this season, and they don't know when they're getting a next season. So it feels like they threw every idea they had for following seasons of the show into this one season. That's what it, this, this feels like. And the problem is, the reason season one works so well is because it was very narrow in its story purpose. It, this the season one was like it basically was we've got we got Kilgrave he's our main antagonist boom 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 that's what we got to do it's all very straightforward and that allowed us to explore the characters in this world very very well it allowed us to really dive into these characters and enjoy their complexities and suffer with them and everything and season one as I've said many times is a psychological drama before it's a superhero show. This season feels more like it's trying to be a superhero show before anything else. And that's not what made the first season great. So why are you changing it up now? Um, this season's all over the place. So it doesn't give us time to really explore these characters. Uh, one of the storylines, even though it's not my personal favorite storyline, which we'll get to, really does push Jessica Jones as a character and allows us to dive into her a little bit more. But... It just feels really shallow. I just... I, again, if you focus... If this if this season cut it down to one, maybe two of the five, six storylines that are in this, then you've got a great season, probably. Because there's... Like you said, Ozzy, there's some great concepts in here. But they just... There's two scattered, and it's just a mess. Um, so that's my overall thoughts. I would say that if you like season one, you can probably pass on this. If you didn't like season one, then you're obviously going to pass on this. Um, I, I just don't think that you need to watch this one. Especially when we're in an age when there's so much superhero content on TV. It's like, why spend your time? <laughs> so when, why spend your time on 13 episodes of this when you could be watching a bunch of other TV? Um, that being said, if you did watch it, we're going to talk about it. And or and or if you're not planning on watching it and you just don't care and you want to hear what happens, hey, there you go. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. <laughs> All right. So, spoiler warning from here on out. If you want to watch this and uh, you don't want to know what happens, you might want to check out now. All right. Let's get into this, Ozzy. Uh, you want to start? Which storyline do you want to start with? <laughs> You want to start with, I know you liked one more than I did, but I, liked, I the liked, mother, liked one more than you did. I like so. the mother aspect of it. Okay, um, let's just start let's with just, that one. Let's just dive into this, guys. I mean, let's just start with positives here. I think the performances are great, like I said, if you were Chris, listening. Christian Ritter's great. As, yeah, Christian Ritter's great. Um, Rachel Taylor. You don't like what they did with her character, yes, but her she performance. Did great. Yeah, she did great. She did okay. great. She did great. Um, I think everybody did great when it comes to the performance. Um... Now, I did like the story that they did with the mother, and I did like the fact that they brought her back. I thought it was very interesting. 
Um, and just to see them kind of work together and really find that dynamic, I thought was really interesting. And I liked it. Because mm-hmm. you can tell that Jessica was really conflicted with her mom being back. But, you know, because she was killing people. But, you know, at the same time, this is her mother. And she misses her mother. You know what I mean? So it was really interesting to see that dynamic. And you could, t- and I was really happy to see uh, Janet McTeer. I've never seen her or anything. But she played Alyssa Jones. That's her mother. Um, that's Jessica Jones' mom. And I really liked how these two really bounced off of each other. Um, I liked the fact that, um, you know, Jessica Jones and Alyssa Jones are very similar. Like, more than we've ever realized. And I really liked that aspect. Um, how they really relate to one another. And I like the fact that they also share similar abilities. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It's a very interesting um, mythology when it comes to these two characters and their connection. And I really did like I really did like their connection. I was not a fan of the storyline. It was one of my least favorites of the, of the many in this season, to be honest. Uh, I just don't think it was executed all that well, to be honest. I think that... There's just, even within this one storyline, there's way too much going on. There's the fact that the mom has the similar powers to her daughter, obviously. Then there's the fact that she was dead, or she thought she, or Jessica Jones thought that her mother was dead, but she's clearly not. And then there's this whole kind of like she fell in love with the doctor who made her how she is, which was random and felt complete. I think that's my least, to be honest. I think the reason that I was so annoyed by the storyline is because of the whole love story aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, what I'll, give you, so what, what I'll give you is uh, Callum Keith Rennie. He plays Dr. Carl, Carl uh, Malice. So Dr. Yeah. Malice. Um, you know, it, it's crazy because, you know, we've been, because the season sets up for looking for Malice. You know, you get two, three episodes of them just looking hardcore for Malice. What has Malice done? Malice created me. Da, 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 da. And we don't get Malice at all. Um, he's gone for like three, four episodes. Yeah. And you don't hear about him until like episode, what, 12 or 13. So um, it's just one of those things where you're just like, okay, like you've been setting up this doctor to be a villain. He's not a villain. He's just a guy trying to make things right. You know, he's crazy. Um, so it's, you know, I, that's what I'll agree with you there. I think the, the, the storyline is really ridiculous and especially it's just, you wouldn't expect for Alyssa Jones to really fall in love with him. Exactly. It's um, just like, because, why was that necessary? Yeah. Like, I don't feel like we needed that. I know <laughs> I would understand like how I would have executed it is like, Hey, you know, I need him to stabilize me. That's what I would have done. But she goes on to say, I love him and I want to keep him safe. Why? Um, <laughs> it's just that didn't really make sense to me. Um, you I mean, could take look if you have the mother storyline, like her being alive, her having this powers, make that the focus of the season. Get rid of the whole loving the doctor thing. That would be pretty compelling. Her to find out that her mother's not only alive, but has been kind of not engaging with her for some reason and also has powers just like her and it's like why does she have these powers where do they come from what's going on have this be the whole mystery of the season that's compelling yeah i feel like she i feel like they could have set up her mother to be the new stick yeah that would have been um, interesting that would have been interesting to see or even kind of or even if you keep it like it is where she's kind of a villain where she's killed people clearly but when I found that aspect of the story compelling, it's really just this whole thing with like the doctor and her falling in love with him. And it's just like, why? Like, honestly, or, if you take him out, like it makes no difference or give the doctor powers. Maybe. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I would have given him powers just to make him the villain. I don't know. But I mean, this, 
This this storyline had the most potential, this, in my opinion. Yes, it did. Um, I, I still think it liked falls it. flat. I liked it. You liked it. I, I still liked it, yes, because we did have great moments in it. Okay. Um, I don't know if you agree with me there, but we did have great moments in it, especially, again... I'm going to defend this show when it comes to the dialogue between Jessica and her mom. I love the dialogue there. Okay. I loved it. Uh, especially in episode 13, I love the dialogue there. Um, it's very... I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I think... Um, I kind of lost my train of thought here. Yeah. But, um, I mean, listen. I think the, I mean, I think there is a lot going on. Okay? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> let, me just, let me just start to name a few. Okay. Trish Walker... Is hunting just because her ratings are going down. She's trying to get Jessica to come up with her story. That's one. And then she gets too deep. And then, you know, we end up finding that she's an addict. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Jessica's dealing with her own demons. And then she's finding out that she has a mom. And then you also have to, you know, we also have to figure out how her mom got with a doctor. Right. <laughs> and then we also have to figure out why Trish gets with Malcolm. Right. So then they have their thing. Right. And then Malcolm has. He's trying to do his own PI thing, so we have to follow his storyline. And he's also cool. dealing still with his addiction. Exactly. And then the <laughs> lawyer, Hogarth, she's in this, duh. And she has, um, and she ALS? has <laughs> ALS, randomly, right? So Why? then she goes on her own adventure, try to find somebody to cure her. Um, she takes in this homeless girl, um, which is Inez, random. Um, Inez sets her up and then she goes in this wild hunt to take both Inez down and, you know, the other guy that's supposed to heal her out, right? And then you also have Price Chang, who is competing with Jessica. So um, much who is another PI, thing. right? And then Chang, Chang is working with Hogarth, but then Hogarth says no, goes back to Jessica. She says no to Jessica and then goes back to Chang. So, I mean, overall... Oh, don't forget about the fact that Hogarth is... Par- Hogarth's partners are trying to kick her out of her own firm. Yeah, Hogarth's partners <laughs> are trying to kick her out of her own firm. And for some reason, they add a random... Uh, they add... What's his name? Finn from Daredevil um, into the mix. And he's only in there for a scene. Um, I think that's his name. Foggy. Foggy. Yeah. Foggy's in it. Foggy fans. He's in one scene. Hogarth is a complete dick to him. Because he's just like, hey... I'm mad. I want to help you. She's like, stop kissing my butt. He's like, I'm just trying to help. Anyways, um... All that to say, there's way too much happening in this season. Why was that scene even necessary? Um, alright, so let's... Again, we're going to try to take this storyline by convoluted storyline. If you're going to ask me which character I hated the most this season... It's Trish Walker. Okay, so that's where I <laughs> want to start. Because that is, by far, besides the mother storyline, when we watch, we watched like four or five episodes together. Yes. Um, and when we were watching, the most controversial topics of discussion were the mother storyline and Trish storyline. You were pro-mother storyline, I was pro-Trish storyline. So let's get into it. Uh, you hated Trish and a lot of the decisions she made. I completely understand. It felt very random. I think... I, okay, I think I definitely come down on Trisha's storyline much like how you come down on the mother storyline. There are moments in the storyline which are great. I think you would disagree with me, but for me, there are moments in the storyline that are great, and I think the concept, much like the mother storyline, the concept is there. There's great ideas here. It's just not executed the best. Um... (laughs) 
the best aspects of the storyline, because the way the storyline progresses is that Trish basically starts taking this inhaler that, what's that one um, guy who, from season one? What's his name? I'm looking. I'm looking him up right now. Um, as we, speak. He, he was that, but he was Will Simpson. Yes, Simpson. All right, he was the cop from season one. Right, he appears in an episode and he's on this little power enhancer thing that gives him like super strength, basically, and like this adrenaline rush. And he drops that in the scene that he is in, and he dies. He dies, right? Yes. Um. And Trish picks it up, and Trish starts taking it. So she basically re-aggravates her addiction uh, status, her, her addict status. She becomes, yeah. she gets re-addicted to this stuff, and she starts to really show. That is the part that I think is really sloppy, because it leads to a lot of stuff where Trish is just doing stupid stuff, and we have these dumb flashbacks of her being an addict and all this stuff, and it's like, that could have been compelling, but I don't think it was well executed. But the best parts of this storyline are the is the dynamic between Trish and Jessica. Because that dynamic, I think, has a lot of potential and really makes sense to me. Trish grew up with a super-powered sister. <laughs> that, is, that has got to be a little bit of an issue for teenage girls. And I think a lot of that would carry over to your adult life. You're always trying to... Do something to be on the level of your sister who has superpowers. And this is no different. She's doing this. The reason she gets back in this addiction is because she's always trying to compete with her sister. She's always trying to, even if she doesn't necessarily show it on the surface, she always feels inferior to Jessica Jones. And that idea and that dynamic between the two of them where they both feel like the other one is better and they're both trying to live up to the other one is interesting. It's fascinating. And you could do a lot with that. And the scenes where um, she's in the hospital after going to that doctor from the mom's storyline, like all of this convoluted stuff, but basically when she tries to get herself actual powers, that, that scene where she's in the hospital after that and her and Jessica are going back and forth at it, that was compelling to me. That was very interesting, and I want more of that. And also, it makes sense, because Trish, we know Trish is going to end up with powers. That's, I mean, that's going to happen. She's going to be a superhero. We knew this, based on just comics, unless they divulge completely, which is possible. The, the Netflix shows have done that before. But, we knew that this was a direction that they're going, so or that they were going, so this, to me, was a logical reason for her to move in that direction. It's just the whole addiction side of it got really grating, and I think it really got on your nerves, which I'm sure you'll talk about, and it was really sloppily done, and the flashbacks were so unnecessary there. Like, they look exactly the same, and it's just like, oh, we'll put a different wig on them, and they're in their they're they're 1920, it's like, this is stupid. Like, that, it's just... It was sloppily done, but I love the idea, and I think it does have great moments. Um, so I guess I come down on this storyline much like you do with the Mother storyline, where there's elements that really don't work, but the ones that did really worked well for me. Personally. I just honestly hated how they executed her storyline. Like, it was so disappointing. Like, she she had this addiction, right? And I feel like they could have done interesting stories with that, with that there. Sure, if you want to give her an addiction, fine, and yeah, let's exactly. focus on getting that better. But they don't go in the direction. She has an addiction, and then she loses it all of a sudden. What? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And then she's just making the worst 
decisions possible. And she just becomes this annoying character that we have to, that we have to, that we have to just follow through. Like, you know, that's not, that's not what the main story is about. The main story is not about Trish. It's not about seeing her wanting to get powers. What I took from that is her just being completely jealous of Jessica, which I empathize with Jessica a lot because Jessica, one, she didn't ask for these powers. Well, she has stated clearly, but over you can't empathize with Trish at all. No, because why? Why? Why are you trying to bring up so much, so much stuff? Okay, from Jessica's past, because you're just pissed because your show is losing ratings. Uh, that doesn't make that doesn't make this okay. All right, she's just saying, oh well, I would do things differently if I had powers. You, yeah, sure, that's easy for you to say, but you didn't go through what Jess went through to get those powers. To me, Jess that's ask such a powers. human. It's a natural thing. If you have someone that you grew up with who is superior to you in that aspect and is extraordinary, yes, but don't you think way, that yes, that would be natural I, for no, you to look up to I would put myself in her shoes. She says that she doesn't want these powers. She explains the situation to her. But there's no but way she just, can understand that. Yes, but she keeps pushing her. Like, dude, she lost her parents and then she got the powers. That's not... She would trade her powers... And give it anything just to have her family back. I she think Trish is a completely sympathetic character. I don't think she's a sympathetic character. Especially not in the beginning for that reason. Because she just keeps pushing this on Jess. Which I don't think is personally fair to Jess. Because Jess doesn't want anything to do with it. Because you can tell that this hurts her. You can tell that she's getting upset. And she's willing. She's even willing to cut Trish out of her life. So that she doesn't have to basically remember that yeah she realizes that okay you know what this is something that i have to deal with this is something that i have to accept which is all right sure but i feel like they should have gone about it in a different way because i don't feel like that's the right way to go about something like you haven't lost your parents you don't know what it's like to be her and she's trying to give you a little taste of what it is to be her and you can't empathize with her. What you're doing is just pushing more onto her, which I, love, I don't think is fair. I love how I was like, yeah, I get what you're saying with the mother storyline, but you're completely fighting me on this. It's just like, I, no, I, like I, I get, I get certain aspects of it because certain aspect was is it's, it's cool. Like you do see the fact that you do see these two sisters competing with each other to a degree. I just don't like the, how they executed it in the beginning, like the pilot, like the like the first episode of this of the season. I don't agree with how she executed that part. Um, you can disagree with what the character does without that, thinking that the storyline itself is flawed. I don't think that the storyline is inherently flawed. I think it works. And I think the character motivations work. I don't agree with what Trish does. I'm not condoning what Trish does. But I, I just think that the storyline and her motivations make complete sense. They make complete sense from Trish's perspective. You can't expect her... You can't just say, well, she needs to think about it from Jessica's perspective. How t- how many times do humans actually empathize with other humans? It's a lot... It's, it's few and far between. It's very hard for humans to empathize with other humans sometimes. And th- especially when they're this close and in this type proximity, and they grew up together. She, Of course she's going to not think about it from Jess' perspective. She grew up with this, and she's just, like, annoyed that her sister has powers, and she's annoyed that her sister doesn't use them the way that she would use them. That makes complete sense to me. That's I what I, Her I motivations can't. make I complete matter. sense to me. I can't. I don't know. Because I'm a different person. I like to put myself in people's positions. But I do. not all people do. That's my point. I'm not saying that all people do, but me, personally. I know. I... <laughs> Don't agree with Trish because I put myself. Under that doesn't mean shoes. the storyline is. Yes, that's my problem. I get it. I understand. <laughs> so, like, yes, it's like from a biased perspective, but 
Like, I'll give you that. But, I mean, that's why I, I do agree that it's sloppily That's what I'm saying. Like, I done. can't, I can't do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, if she was saying, like, listen, like, you know, tidbits, tidbits. And then she, Jessica was like, all right, you know what? Sure. You know, but she's literally shoving all this down her throat. Like, she even brings her parents' ashes out. And I was like, that's, that was seriously? Little, like, that's, that's messed up. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, and then, that's that, and that's that's the thing I was mainly talking about. I was like yeah. she, she brought out her parents' ashes. Like what the heck? Um, but then again, it loses. That interest. didn't make any sense. To me. Exactly. But then again, it kind of loses its value when you see this this one of the like another empowered person throw the ashes, and then I was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when the ashes went up in the air, and then Jessica was just looking, and then she just ran after him, and I was like, dude. Your parent, I know. Your brothers that all was over the weird. <laughs> that was weird. And that whole storyline with like that one fat flash or fast guy was yeah, like yeah. really random. Um, and honestly, I think Trish bringing the ashes were just to set up that scene. Yeah, and it was it was really just it was really just messed up. I agree with you on there. that. Particular um, now, platform. as for her decisions as to do anything else, listen, I think it was really dumb. Okay, she threatened to kill Malcolm. She gave Malcolm a warning shot. She kidnapped the doctor, and she forced the surgery on her. That was the dumbest decision. She's an addict at that point. I know, but we don't Addicts see Addicts do her. terrible things and do stupid things. Yeah, but not to that degree. Yes, they do. I don't think that's the degree. <laughs> yes, they do. No. When you are addicted to she, something. No, but she doesn't know. She's addicted to that, to the inhaler. Yeah. We don't see her going back to the inhaler. We don't see, the doc- we don't see her bringing the inhaler to the doctor like, okay, Give me some. What we see her doing is go, is going to like a what is it a pharmacist that she goes to or something? I don't know. She goes there and she's like, hey, like what is this made of? What can I do with it? And then she just stops. We never see her pick up the inhaler again. What she's addicted to at that point is just getting powers. Exactly. So for me, it was just that's even more compelling. Me, no, I was just like, nah, I don't like it because she should have been just addicted to the inhaler. But hey, this is me. But anyways, um, because again, I found it, I found that aspect interesting and how she was. Kind of seducing Malcolm, Malcolm to just take the inhaler to have these, you know, special abilities. But I mean, it's just right. the way they went about on. it was <laughs> Let's ridiculous. Um, what do you think about Hogarth's storyline and how it overall affected the show? Hogarth's storyline, well, feel it feels completely out of left field. I completely agree with that. It is the closest <laughs> to season one that we will that we got in this season. Is in terms of structure, where it's pretty focused. That storyline, I'm just talking about the storyline. It's pretty focused. There's not too many outside factors involved with this. Yes, there's the whole thing with her partners. Sure, that's a little bit that's a little bit unnecessary, but it's pretty straightforward and it's very psychological. I actually appreciated the storyline. If you put it in its own show, like title the show Hogarth or whatever, I know what I was thinking. Hogarth's a compelling character. I want Hogarth to have her own show. Carrie Ann Moss, play, and this is a freaking positive, she is a savage. She is so, she's such a savage. Like, she even puts Jessica Jones in her place. Yeah. And it's great. And and she's not I, scared of Jessica at all. She's not scared. She's not intimidated by yeah. any of these power people. Like, you see her, you see her talking to Luke Cage, you see her talking to Rand, um, you see her talking to Jessica Jones, and I just find it so ballsy of this character just to be so... Up in everyone's face, just like I'm not scared of you. I'm yeah. Hogarth. What yeah. are you gonna do? 
Um, and, I, and I love the confidence that she carries. Yeah. You know, she's like, I can get him out. The DA does not want to sit in the but office this, with But what this um, season did was also kind of deconstruct her and tear her down a little bit by giving her this disease and her reducing her ju- to the justice need to figure out a way, excuse me, a way to survive. I actually appreciated that. Again, you make this its own show, I am good. It's just like, this felt so tacked on to this season. Yeah, because for me, it didn't have any overall... It had no impact on exactly. the actual like, season. I feel like Holgarth should have her own show. Um, because you're paying Anne, Carrie Ann Moss to be a part of the show, which I get. And I wouldn't mind her being a part of the overall Defenders universe, yeah. more MCU. But... I feel like that would be more yeah. of a lawyer show. Like I want to mm-hmm. see her in court. I want to see why people are so scared. For exactly. Hogarth. Never have we actually seen her in court before? I don't think we have. Yeah. Like we've seen her. We've seen her shut down people, and we're just yeah. like, oh damn. But um, we haven't. I don't think we've ever seen her in court. We yeah. just know we've seen her exchange from like different lawyers and stuff like that. But again, we haven't seen her in court, and I want. I want to see her. In court. This mm-hmm. is really random how this is like the standout character. <laughs> well, let's talk about Malcolm. Because Malcolm um, is my other favorite character from the season. Yes, he was really good. Um, I think they did... the. This was the season... Or this was the character that they did the most development with from season one, in my opinion. They did a great job of kind of pushing him in a new direction. And giving him room to grow. And I think he really does grow this season. He starts to figure out what he's good at. Why he enjoys doing what he enjoys doing. I just thought of another storyline in the season that we completely forgot about, which we'll get to. Um, but we, I just, I really appreciated what they did with this character, even if it kind of got a little bit, it went a little bit different direction than I was expecting towards the end, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and it, towards the end, it kind of ties into, uh, Chang Chang storyline, which his storyline is just so unnecessary and stupid. Terry Chang's ex- storyline literally exists just so that Malcolm can go to another firm, to another yeah. PI firm. And I feel like you could have done that either way, mm-hmm. or you could have had Malcolm start his own PI firm. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, I hated Terry Chang's storyline. Chang's storyline. It's, so, um, it's, it's so, random. so random. It's so unnecessary. He's just a nuisance. And I don't care for his character whatsoever. For me, he's just a big douche, and I don't care as to why he's in the city that they're in. All right. So the other storyline that I remembered that we never mentioned, but um, is also another just moment of wasted potential, in my opinion. The new tenant, or the new um, landlord. Yeah. That was just to fill in Luke Cage's shoes. Yeah. Okay, so... What I think is wasted potential about it is the first couple episodes, it seems like he is just, like, he hates her because she's powered. And they really are trying to make you think that. And it turns out that's not, like, he's not really um, prejudiced against her. That's not the whole thing. It's like, man, that could have been an interesting thing to explore. That kind of feels like an X-Men storyline. And I'm, like, all for that, right? And they never, re- like, they that's a theme throughout the season is them kind of treating powered people different. But you could have, if you make a main character in the storyline prejudiced against powered people, like, that's something you could actually actually explore. explore. Instead, they just turn him into, like, after the first three episodes, he turns into a generic love interest. And it's like, that sucks. 
You, like, he's really the most, he turns into the most generic side love story of any of these shows. And it's like, that's cool because Jessica doesn't seem like a character who could settle down. And it seems like she, by the end of the season, it seems like she's really starting to kind of try to embrace that. But I just think that that's not as much payoff as they were kind of hoping for. Yeah. I, I this season that that storyline was waste of potential for me. I agree. Um, it really was just disappointing just to see his character just go downhill, and then we had this whole like we wasted what ten minutes trying to find Vito. Yeah, I I didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> Honestly, I was just yeah. like, why are we here? Uh, I didn't mind. I didn't mind her being with him. I, I didn't. Um, I thought it served a purpose in the end, which I clearly saw, and I, I enjoyed it. I was like, "Yeah, okay, this is good." But um, I I didn't need so much of. I didn't need so much of him, and I, I like if you're gonna convert him, I feel like make it something bigger, and I feel like it was so small because yes, you're gonna tell me like Ozzy he almost died because he almost fell out a window. Sure, but I would have liked for Oscar to actually see that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like see. See her save his kid, you know, instead of just saying, yeah, you know, I, he told me what happened. He told me what happened. Like, that was so stupid. <laughs> um, so I would have yeah. liked to see him see her save uh, his son. Uh, 100%. But um, I did like Michael's Malcolm's story um, when it came to when it came to his overall his overall character. Um, did you miss Luke Cage this season? Uh not necessarily. I mean, I don't know. They they kind of re- like I said they kind of replaced it with another generic love story, so it's like who really? I don't know. I I'll tell you what I did miss and we'll talk about this um, <laughs> a little bit later probably, but before I tell you what I did miss, I do we should talk about Jessica Jones as a character because she's the title character. <laughs> um but the thing is and the fact that we haven't talked about her yet really shows off what we've been talking about. This season's got way too much going on. <laughs> because, my goodness, we have talked, we've been talking, what, 20 minutes, 25 minutes about this? Maybe even 30 minutes about this already? And we are just now talking about Jessica Jones as a character? That's because there's so much happening in this season. There's way too much happening in this season. That it didn't, like, there's not much to say. She was Jessica Jones throughout the whole season. Like, there's a little bit of growth. There's some stuff with her mom where she develops a little bit. Her relationship with Trish definitely changes some. Her relationship with Malcolm kind of changes. Kind of. Like, it feels like nothing actually really changed. But it's more on Malcolm's side that things changed. Uh, There's just... Well, she cut... Well, she cut off Malcolm... Because he basically helped her. He helped Trish with her addiction. Yeah. Trish was an idiot. And this was another dumb decision by Trish. Trish decides to go ahead and shoot Jessica Jones' mom in the head. Ugh. Right in front of Jessica, mind you. Um, that just... Yeah. So, her, for her making great decisions and empathizing with her... No, I don't empathize with her, especially for that scene. I was like, I agree with you. No, that that felt like just such as writing. Like, why? Like, why would this be the direction that you take it as writers? Like, I don't understand. I don't understand either. Yes, I guess they're setting up for some conflict or something, but I cannot. Like, why? Like, I can't. I can't. I tried. 
like every time I'm, I watch a show or movie, I try to put myself and this and these characters' shoes. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. I don't understand why I would shoot my, but somebody who's like a like a like a brother to me or a sister to me. Why would I shoot their parent in the head right in front of them? I just that doesn't make any sense to me, and I I I don't understand her motivation for that. Yes, um, sure, she gave a reason. She was like, I don't know. I thought she was gonna kill you. Just gonna ask for backup. Jessica, right. Jessica was literally there talking to her mom. She wasn't in any immediate danger. I that was such a bad decision on the show, and it was just so distasteful, so random. Um, uh, let's talk about what the show is missing. Yes. Like we talked about all the things that are in this show that doesn't need to be in here. Let's talk about what should have been in here and what the show is missing. I'm going to ask you a question. This will lead us right to it. Who's the villain in the show? In Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> there is no antagonist in this season. Killigrave. And Killigrave. This show missed an antagonist. And you can say, yes, it was it missed Killgrave. I think it's even deeper than that. Give this show an actual antagonist, and maybe we are okay. But just like there is, there is an episode when Kilgrave basically, like Jessica, has extreme guilt, which is another side storyline that uh, <laughs> that was in this, where Jessica's dealing with his guilt over murdering people because now she's murdered two people at this point. She murdered Kilgrave, and she killed uh, a cop. A, no, she didn't kill the cop. So she killed a, a a jail a jail cop. Oh, I, oh yes, yes, she killed him. You're right. Um, uh, I think she killed three, but I forgot who the second person was. Either she's killed, and that's like really like it's building up inside. All that guilt's building up inside her. And Kilgrave, basically, she starts to imagine him, and it brought me back to season one. That's the best episode of the season, man. <laughs> because we got number one, we get Kilgrave, who is a fantastic villain, and number two, it gets back to what the show succeeded at last season, which is the psychological torture of Jessica Jones. <laughs> That's why this show worked so well season one. And they get back to it, and it's like, yes, this is what we were missing. <laughs> it's just that episode is by far the best. By far. And it's because Kilgrave's in it, the show focuses up a little bit, and it gets back to its roots, which is Jessica Jones's inner torture. <laughs> Which sounds terrible, but it's like, that's why the show was so compelling in season one. So, I don't know. Uh, do you agree that Kilgrave is definitely something, or a villain, even to be broader, is definitely something that was missing from this? Yeah, we needed a villain. Um, you know, they're over here th- setting up this whole organization. I'm over here expecting to see this organization's monster as its ultimate villain. It's like and what I got was its mom. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm not mad that it's the mom that's alive. Like I said, I mean, I think that was really cool. But and you could have had something that were like, you know, where the mom and daughter were kind of working together to figure out this mystery. But no, um, you decided to give us another villain, and then you decided to give us her mom, and then <laughs> kill her by having, you know, Trish take her out, which I think was the dumbest decision. Um, you As you said, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna. I mean. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, but, yeah, this show definitely needed a villain. Um, you can't... Sure, you can have this show go without a villain. And you can have us um, destroying your second season for it. But, I mean, this show needed a villain for the second season. Yeah. Um, you know, if you weren't going to go full psychological, you could have gone full hero and you could have just been ballsy with it. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, any final thoughts on this uh, season of Jessica Jones? Disappointed. I hate Trish. And hashtag season three needs to be better. <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's pales in comparison to season one. Just re- rewatch season one. Don't bother. Um, it's it's so disappointing, man. I mean, I'm excited. I was excited to see Kristen Ritter back as Jessica Jones. Yeah, but um, unfortunately, I don't think that she got the show that she um, deserved yet signed up for. I don't think this whole cast did, honestly. I keep putting this. Jessica in other shows. Keep using her. I wanna I wanna see her more. But man, this is. This is a rough season. All right. Um, so that wraps it up for our Jessica Jones Would discussion. you say this season? Yeah, yeah. I think I asked you this already, but just, just so that the show knows. Iron Fist or season two Jessica Jones? <laughs> um, I feel like that's a fair question. It is, and that's <laughs> rough. Uh, man. Uh, I. It's a toss-up, to be honest. I will... I want to say Jessica Jones just because, like, it's at least I have characters that I kind of care about. But I, to be honest, I didn't hate Iron Fist as much as a lot of people seem to. So I'm going to say Iron Fist. I, it's not good. I think it's around the level of as this. But at least Iron Fist has, like, a villain. <laughs> a weird villain. Uh, a weird heck? villain, but it's actually, like, a villain and it's got some sort it's got a focused narrative whereas this is like a big blob of everything <laughs> true true um which one would you say because i know you were even higher than i was on iron fist but then See, you seem to come down off of it over time i'm thinking about david wenham's harold meacham killing his assistant and then when he dis when then and then he releases his line he was yeah he was killing Kyle, and he releases his line where he was like oh just die, what, like will you just die already and then he just starts killing him, and I was just like, <sighs> this could have been so much more yeah this could have been so much better, um, <sighs> I'm gonna give it to Iron Fist, because um, again, I didn't hate this show as much as everybody else did either. I, I don't think it deserved a ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez, um, that was ridiculous. It's not that bad. This is better than a lot of DC films. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was as good as Arrow season three. Oof, uh, you like Arrow season three more than I did. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think it's that bad. Okay, fair enough. But I mean. Alright, well that wraps it up for our Jessica Jones Season 2 discussion. So now we're going to move over to recommendations. And I think I know where Ozzy's going. I think. Do you? I don't know. I mean, I would expect that this is where we're going, but I don't know. I guess I'll start. You want me to start or do you have yours? For I'm going to go ahead and say Daredevil. Oh, okay. So I was wrong. What were you thinking? I was thinking you were going to say what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know what? Yes. We'll be doing the shadows, guys. You guys need to watch that. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Tahiti, uh, you know how Taika you know? Watiti. Taika Watiti, um, directed that. Um, guys, he directed Thor Ragnarok. So for those of you guys who love Thor like I did, this is a movie that Carlos actually recommended to me. We, did, we just got that once again on Monday. I want to rewatch it before you leave, actually. Um, and it is so good. Um, I absolutely loved this movie it was so funny it's a mockumentary about these vampires that live in a house um it involves a guy named Stu 
<laughs> absolutely um, the best comedy of 2015 because <laughs> it is so funny. Um, I highly recommend this. You're going to lie. You're going to not lie. You're going to laugh. Um, you're really going to laugh. So definitely, definitely watch this. Oh my gosh. That would be so good. All right. My recommendation <laughs> is going to be a movie I talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast. Um, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. It is one of my favorite and one of the best movies of 2015. I absolutely adored this movie and I just want, I, it's one of those movies that I revisit at least once a year, to be honest. Um, and it's so, so good. If you don't know what it's about, it is about, um, this, it's about this kid who basically gets roped into spending time with this girl in his high school class who he, after he finds out that she has cancer, hence the dying girl, and is played by Olivia Cook, And, um, he starts to hang out with her. They start to become really close friends. And it's just a really, really fun, funny, and kind of cute story. And I just absolutely love it. And Olivia Cook is great in it. And all three of the lead performances are great, to be honest. Uh, Nick Offerman is in this movie as well. He plays uh, the kid's father. And he's really funny in it. And also, one of the best aspects, or one, I won't say it wasn't the best, but one of my personal favorite aspects of the movie is that um, the our lead character and his best friend Earl, they make uh, parody films, like, as a hobby. It's just what they do. So, like, they they make, like, they'll take all these classic movies that they've watched and then just make their own stupid versions of them. So, it's just, it's just really funny, like, going by, we don't see all of them, but we see the clips um, we, or we see, like, clips of some of them, and we see titles of some of them, and, like, for, for instance, one of the titles is, um, uh, for Apocalypse Now, which is, if you don't know, it's the 1970s, uh, war movie about the Vietnam War, and they basically make their own version called A Box Clips Wow, <laughs> and it's just really stupid, and then, um, there's also, they do one of A Clockwork Orange, where it's literally an orange sock. <laughs> going through and it's like uh, I don't remember what the title was but it's just really stupid and it's it's so funny um and it's just it's a really really good and entertaining movie it's like I said it's an it's one of my favorites of that year and uh yeah one of the thing one of the hooks of the movie is they open up um and he's narrating or the, our lead character is narrating and he says that by the end of the story you'll see <laughs> I literally made a movie that killed that was so bad that it killed someone and that's how that's the hook of the movie and they're like oh okay you're like all right let's see where this goes <laughs> it is it's just it's a really good movie so i highly recommend it i don't know where it's on but i'm sure you can find it somewhere it's probably on like i don't think it's on netflix but it's probably on like hulu or something i have it on dvd because it's awesome so <laughs> you can borrow it if you know me <laughs> there you go uh, alright, Carlos will let you borrow it if you guys can't <laughs> find it on DVD or Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. <laughs> or you can find it on YouTube because YouTube has basically... Yeah, you can rent movies there. So. You just have to buy it. Yeah. So, don't be cheap, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> alright guys, uh, Carlos, where can people find you on social media? Alright, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Cheery456 and make sure you follow us all over social media, all at ScreenFalls. It's Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, and the YouTube channel, and of course our website, greenfellows.com. Brianna does great stuff over there, so check that out. 
Uh, you can find her written Thoroughbreds review there. So check that out. Yeah, 100%. And you guys can find me on on, uh, on Twitter at Castro Ozzy. Also, if you guys have any recommendations, find uh, any any conversations you guys want us to talk about, anything like that, please email me at ozzy.castro at screenfellas.com. Guys, we don't know when the episode's going to be out because Carlos is traveling out of town this weekend. Going back to Virginia. Going back and to then Virginia. And then another Baltimore. trip after that. So it's just like, yeah, I don't know, know when we're going to record. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We're trying to get back on schedule. So Maybe we can record on Thursday and just release an early episode? I don't know because, remember, I did get invited to dinner. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, just, but that's here. Yeah, but I got off at 6.45. We'll We're going to talk about we'll it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so, we'll talk about it. But, um, <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, guys, we hope you enjoyed the show. Please feel free to listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. Please write and review the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check out the YouTube channel. Check out the written content on ScreenFellas.com. Guys, this is ScreenFellas. Peace.